Ready when you are. Hello, and welcome to today's Startup Equity Matters, a podcast about how to create value from startup equity. Um, I'm excited uh, today. Uh, I think it's my first guest who's led a unicorn, <laughs> and not oh, yeah. an overly yeah, not an overly hyper unicorn either, like a serious business uh, with serious eight or nine figure ARR. Um, we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit as we go. So, so pretty cool. Um, you know that this podcast is for early stage founders and their teams um, to help them see inside some of the best minds and best businesses in innovation. Uh, we need to share and unpack what equity success looks like to be able to help speed up and de-risk new ventures. Um, yeah, so today we have an incredible guest, uh, one who's a friend of mine. Uh, we live in the same suburb and uh, he led one of Australia's most successful startups, Simpro, uh, to unicorn status. Uh, Sean Dujour. Um, so most recently, Sean has also launched a VC uh, to help fund and help start up scale from C to Series B and also has a new podcast. So this should be a really interesting uh, episode. The topic today, value creation through building a unicorn. Welcome, Sean. Thanks, Jason. Thank you for having me as always. And thank you for the intro. Um, I don't know, every now and then, you're unlucky and you need guests like me. So, um, <laughs> you know, look, I spend my time now living in, the, in I guess, the, the early stage uh, world. So looking forward to sharing some tips and you know, having a chat about the journey that that we went on as as a team, and you know, hopefully people can dig some stuff out of that 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 helps them go on the same journey. No, you're a very humble and down to earth dude, uh, which is why I think we get along so well. But you've achieved a, a huge amount of things, and so we're very grateful to have you on. Um, you know, to dig into a little bit of that today. Um, so look, congrats on the success of Simpro. Um, you weren't a founder but went awesome. through most of the journey um, and experienced most of the founder journey. So. Um, Talk us a little bit through, um, I guess, you know, how Simpro and, and how it all went, what your role was there. Yeah, happy to. Uh, look, I was lucky that the founders of Simpro, you know, Curtis Vaughan and Steve, were super strong founders. They built a really good business. Uh, I was a lawyer back in those days and did legal work for, for the team. And uh, there was an inflection point in, in everyone's journey where they're like, look, we need to strengthen how this business is running. And I joined the board at, at that stage. So I was on the board for a while. So I've done the journey as you know, on the board and, and operate. I've done both sides of, of the coin at Simpro. Um, but, yeah, when you're working with strong founders, you know, the job was really easy in, in the early days. You know, Steve Curtis and, you know, we hired in other people that, that came in. They did a, a bunch of that grunt work early on. Um, and then so I sort how of... Old, how old was Simpro when you sort of joined? Uh, it, so I joined the board just when it went SaaS, but it had already been around for, you know, four or five years by that point in time, but more on-prem at that point in time. Gotcha. So more so, services based or or um no, no, it was or on it was just software on prem software yeah. old school I get it yeah yep. totally and yep. then you yep. went yep. SaaS in the cloud and so you joined went SaaS then. yep and then took over just after we like took over CEO just after we raised A so I drove the Series A raise when we when we did that that was in 2016 that was the first time we really went to raise money so we we raised a little bit from the internal founders um, but it was bootstrapped and you know back then going from SaaS it was all bootstrapped. Um, and so when we raised, we raised a pretty big round raise one, so 30 million US and had a pretty wow. good valuation back in those days. Um, and that was really to leverage and buy growth. A, a good chunk was secondary, but, you know, growth into the US market at that point in time. Amazing. Let's definitely dig into that in a minute. Um, but first, um, you're doing a couple of super interesting things at the moment. I think the majority yeah. of your time is is on Venture On, uh, your yep. new VC. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. So, you know, Curtis, who's one of the founders, Steve, who's the other founder of Simpro, the, the two of us, myself, Ricky, who was my chief revenue officer, 
uh, Graham, who's worked in Innovation Bay and, and run his own software companies that, that we've all banded together and, and launched a, a little, I guess, venture, venture capital firm for want of a better term. But, you know, our thesis is really simple. We've got a bit of money we've put together and we're going to invest in, you know, five or so software companies um, and get in and help them run their businesses and go on a similar journey to what we did in Simbra. Like, I don't want to go the way all the way to, to 100 million ARR, billion dollar thing again, but like help. Help them build those building blocks early on to get to Series A and, and potentially Series B. You know, guide them on that journey, upskill them on the things you need to know to run that software company, to be in charge of revenue or, or IT or software, whatever it may be, uh, and then help them get the right people, the right investors in for the next part of the journey. That's that's the key. We want to help four or five people go on the same journey we went on because, mate, if you get it right, it's 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 a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, an amazing journey and um, huge amount of A creation uh, for the founders and the team and everybody yep. involved. If you can go from from sort of seed to Series B, um, you know, wonderful amount of uh, you know wealth being created there. And then you also also have a podcast, mate. You you're challenging do, me mate. on the airwaves. <laughs> I'm really honestly uh, kidding uh, there. Oh, yeah. but, um, <laughs> I wouldn't call it a challenge, mate. <laughs> You've listened to some of our podcasts. <laughs> For our for our thirty yeah. listeners a month, yeah. um, no, like tw- so, twenty eight more going than on? me. Yeah, so we, we've brilliant yeah, we've for a podcast, brilliant name. Mate, that's it's all it's all Ricky Ricky Sampson. So he he leads that podcast. It's his idea. It's his baby. Um, but but similar to what you're trying to do, right? So we we've we've spent a lot of time in the US. We've built a pretty big business, and so we've got a lot of people we know that have done very similar things. And so the idea really was: can we have a podcast where we drag some of these people from? You know, a mixture of low level or, or beginning, low level is a bad word, beginning founders who are just starting the journey, founders in the middle of the journey, and then some people that, you know, have run Gong and Sales Assembly and all these massive American organizations. And, and we've got some European ones coming on and just give people tips of what everyone's gone through at different stages of the journey. Because sometimes that's all it takes, right? You listen to something and you're like, oh, wow, they went through that. And that gives you yeah. the confidence to keep pushing through. And that's, that's all I'm hoping people get out of it. If they listen, they have a laugh and learn about what peanut butter people like. That's probably the key behind the whole podcast. <laughs> you ask about peanut butter. Nice. I've the got only two types that. in the fridge. I've got the, yeah. the terrible craft one. It's really sweet and amazing that yeah. I shouldn't eat. And then I've got the nice one that doesn't have any extra sugar Mate, or salt just, in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got one of those too, but I've never opened it. But we, it's, it's just smooth, <laughs> smooth or crunchy, mate. That's the oh, question. Smooth or crunchy, yeah. yeah. If they I've got uh, both. I've got uh, if I so. if I if they answer it wrong, I dub it over so they give the answer I want. So it's fine. There's a lot of uh, Americans <laughs> what is the correct who speak answer? It's it's definitely crunchy. The correct answer crunchy. is crunchy. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, I have peanut butter. If you don't want peanuts in it, it doesn't make sense. Let's so. let's wrap this up there. I think we've solved the problems of the world, and I'll uh, agree. Know, no need for any more podcasts ever again. <laughs> Done. <laughs> All right. Very good. Um, look, great to have you here. Um, so, look, Simpro is a major Australian tech success story like let's be let's be fair um based out of Queensland Queensland punches above its weight when it comes to unicorns does, I think we've got Simpro and go one at the moment as as safety culture only a handful so, we still claim safety yeah. culture definitely even though I think they hang out mostly in Surrey Hills these days but you know they do but they start based here, out of Townsville so, I think yeah, Townsville yeah, can yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah good 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 let's claim those so look uh, amazing to see uh, you know um northern part of Australia, uh, delivering so many great, great businesses. Um, but I want to take a step back. People love hearing origin stories. Um, you said you're a lawyer. So where yep. did it all begin for you um, in, in business? I mean, I was a lawyer, but I was probably not the best. I was not the best lawyer floating around. 
Um, <laughs> but what, what I was good at is, is helping businesses organize and, and, and scale, right? And so I'm not technically minded, but understanding how to put a thesis together of a business, how to scale that business, how to get the pieces to work together. And then more importantly, that I guess I think what the biggest part of scaling businesses is leadership, right? It's being able to inspire and bring people together so that they walk, you know, lockstep. And if you get 90% of your team going in the same direction and they're inspired to do it, you'll win. And so I did that a lot in mining when I started and that's sort of where I went to. And then, you know, met Steve Curtis and Vaughn and, and started working with them. And it just organically was the right path for for me and the business to, to go down. It definitely wasn't something I was driving to. I, I temporarily stepped in when I did step in, when when our, when our previous CEO uh, departed. I temporarily stepped in and, and just ended up being a you know, six-year journey and you know, going from a you know the, the ten million odd to a hundred million in ARR USD and billion dollars and just you know surround yourself with amazing people and even you know even even someone like me can drive a billion dollar business right but it's a it's never a singular person it's I think that's the the most important thing to realize it's never Elon Musk who drove there all the growth it's not a singular person there's a team of people there's a lot of people that go into building it Simpro we were blessed that. Now, building a business in Queensland is awesome. You get a huge amount of awesome people that that come and work in your business. And we had really good executives join. We had really good uh, partners in in that we raised capital from that that joined this business. And you know, getting those decisions right, when to hire good people, you know, promoting internally. We did a lot of internal promotions for a lot of years. That was really powerful for Simpro. Um, that's that's a huge part of what what brought us success and and my journey. So digging into that then, I can see that people is a big part um, of your passion and skill set. And, um, I, you know, while while working in London, um, I had a massive realisation that, and it, it, it's, it's a common saying, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you know, you have to go with people. And I think um, that was a huge, huge lesson for me, you know, in my mid-career. And it sounds like you cottoned onto that some point along the way as well. Um, yep. What what were some of the major highlights in building that team? You know that you can share, um, whether it be individuals that had a massive outsize effect. Perhaps it was kicking off a new team in a new country. Um, you know, maybe share just a couple it's, of the great moments in in building this team with people. I'm sure there's it's, there's so many it, it, look, expansion overseas is is probably the highlight. Like get like the numbers, the numbers, are numbers, right? But being able to go from Australia and building successful businesses in New Zealand, the US and, and the UK and, and now Europe and Singapore, which the, the team is continuing on post post my exit. Now that is it's awesome, right? Like being able to go into another country and, and spend the time and understand their culture and how they're operating and how their tradespeople work and then being able to unify that and grow it. I think that's always been a highlight. And watching people move to the UK or move to the US and spend time there and the personal growth they get when they come back to Australia or some have stayed there longer and moved to other careers. Um, I've always really enjoyed watching people leave Simpro and grow, right, and, and do Amazing. something else and do something new and, and take new and newer steps up. And there's been a huge amount of people over the last 20 years that have left our business and are running successful stuff. There, I know people who, who are salespeople who are running successful electrical companies now. And yeah, that that part, I think, is the bit that inspires you to keep going, right? Watching people grow, for me, has always been what's exciting and, you know, my team in particular that I I had, my executive team, you know, all of my, a lot of my fondest memories are, are with those people, right? You know, having to solve problems in the US and how you're going to scale the business, spending three days locked in a room, throwing things at each other and getting angry at each other and, and then going and having dinner and having a beer and, and calming down and, and working things out and, and building strategies around how you're going to do that and then going to implement, you know, fixing things that went wrong, 
there's always been a highlight, right? Being able to make a mistake and then go, okay, that was a mistake and, and come together, you know, with huge amounts of people and work out how you're going to solve it. Those are the things, I mean, that always stick out to me as a highlight. I love that. I really can feel and, you know, ever since I met you, I can feel your genuine connection with people and care for people and your team. It's it's always come through in our interactions and it's a it's a really wonderful trait and probably was, you know, a big part of, you know, the long-term success. One of the slightly quirkier practices you had was your daily stand-ups with your leadership team yeah. all around the world, like pretty much every single day. Um, I personally love the connect- connectivity of that. Um, do you want to share a little bit about that that practice? Yeah. I'd imagine they're all pretty happy I'm not there anymore and they don't have to do that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, part of, like I said, I'm a big believer if you get people walking walking in the same line and they all believe what you're trying to achieve and they're all, you know, building a good relationship, then you're going to be successful. And to, to foster that, as we scaled and we couldn't all be together in Palm Beach or in Australia and you got people in the US and in New Zealand and in Australia and the UK, um, we met every day. And so Saturday for me was a Friday for the US, so I met on Sundays, right? Every Saturday morning, my kids hated, but my wife probably hated, but every Saturday morning we'd have a meeting. And, and, the re- and it wasn't always two hours or an hour. could have been 20 minutes sometimes, could have been 30 minutes. But the point is every day we spent a bit of time together, guaranteed, in a room talking about something. So if there was a problem that occurred overnight while I'm asleep in the US, the next day when I'm up, we're having a meeting. If a problem occurred on a Sunday, the next day we're having a meeting. If we occurred on a Saturday, it, it gave us immediacy to solve things that went on. Nothing festered, nothing sat around the background where someone dwelled on it and got really upset. And when that did happen, because people, human nature means sometimes stuff does get shoved down, then I'd, I could get angry. I have a right to be like, guys, we meet every day. You shouldn't be holding on to stuff. We should be dealing with it. We should be talking about it. We should be solving it. Um, and, and it forced tighter connections between people and and to be successful you need to bring a lot of different people with different personalities together who maybe aren't best friends and don't want to hang out all the time and you need to get them to find a common ground and get them to gel so that when things go wrong and i have maybe i'm not very good at what i did but there were things went wrong all the time you can have real robust conversations without upsetting anyone and you could point fingers at each other and you could get dirty and get angry and solve it and know that you're going to catch up with them again in 24 hours and be cool and have a great conversation. And, and so that's why I drove that that behavior every day. Super, super interesting, man. Thanks for sharing. Um, let's switch a bit to the equity side of things, you know, yep. equity pod. Um, let's yep. crank that up a bit. So you raised some pretty awesome rounds. Uh, I don't know how many Did rounds you were involved in, perhaps two, Series A, Series B. And was, yep. was the Series C when you exited or was that Series B? We've only done A and B. We've done A, A, A we've done A and an a add on A plus, I call it A A plus in gotcha. the until so. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I imagine we'll, as we'll do a C Yep. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Plenty. Look, I, I guess we raised capital in sixteen. It, it was a really cool process. We were doing well. We had money. I didn't need it, right? And I think, and I always say, I've done a lot of talking uh, around uh, about raising capital. I like doing raise. I like to raise money when I don't need money, right? And so we had, we had. A successful business that was scaling well. I had a, a good thesis I could pitch to people on why putting money in simple was a good idea. Um, and you know, the process we ran with the then CEO and CFO is we went and to the US twice and we went and visited a whole bunch of private equity companies and venture capital companies and we pitched them a little bit about, you know, this is this is the journey, this is the vision. And then we went back. We made the three we like take us out for lunch and dinner. Um, and that was, you know, this is it's like you're gonna get married to these people. And so you need to know that you can hang out with them. Love that. And 
talk about something that isn't your business because if all you have in common is the business, your your bond is going to be the business. And when things go bad, then the thing that's your bond has gone bad and it's going to be really hard to recover. So we, we went and hung out with all these people and, and then when term sheets were going through and I'm doing the deal and I'm working through, I didn't take the best term sheet we got offered. I took the best deal for the business to scale. And so it wasn't the most money um, and was it, it wasn't the biggest firm. It was the right people. They were the right people who I knew could take us from where we were to 100 million, which obviously worked. So I, I, I got right on that one. Um, what did they? What were they offering? What, what was it that they were going to bring? Do you think? Do you remember? They, that's oh, 100%. They, they were the people that we could sit down and we had a long conversation. We had a few beers with them and, and we got along really well. And we looked forward to yeah. this conversation. Their insights about how they thought about business and, and how they think about life resonated with how we think about business and how we think about life. So you it know, wasn't necessarily we, that they were going to do introductions for you or give you advice. It was compatibility. You could compatibility. go on the journey. You can have I, the conversations needed to have. You could work through problems together. Mate, every private equity venture capital firm in the world is going to tell you that they will introduce you to stuff <laughs> and they're going to help you and they've got to this and that. I'm telling people every day that, like, and like I intend to be in businesses <laughs> daily, right? And that's our point of difference. I'm like, hey, I'm going to come in and work with you all the time because every private equity company says, we're going to help you. We've got all these operating things and you'll see them. And But whether they add value or not, I, I can't tell you. What I looked for back then wasn't that. And that's not what they were offering. They had it all, but that, it was the way they think about dealing with problems, business, our business, their personal lives, our lives, the things that give them enjoyment. There was enough compatibility there that I knew that if something went wrong and stuff went wrong, instead of it being a pure numbers-driven decision, they would be like, hey, this is how we deal with this problem. So how about you guys have a go at fixing it? And if you don't get it right in a period of time, then we're going to do the numbers-driven solution to those problems. I liked that because part of what drove Simpro's success is we had to go at stuff and we didn't always get it right. We still do that, right? Love but that. we didn't want it. Right? And then I think that's powerful to scale, right? You've got to have a goal. At yeah. this. You've got to be willing to take a risk. Oh, absolutely. How do you disrupt if you're just constantly thinking about like risk management and the bottom line <laughs> and, and every little minute detail? You've got to be going for it, going for it, going for it. And the bigger um, you get, the harder that is, right? Because at totally. some point, You'll have built a machine that works and it will scale and it will do what it needs to do and you'll be able to grow 30 plus percent year on year. And and like for me, the time to to move on was when at the end of the day, if every year you're looking at and going, hey, I'm growing this thing 30% year on year, but I don't really know how to get it to 40, that's when you need some new leadership company who can drive that that sort of decision making because it gets harder and harder to take those risks when you've been somewhere for a long time. Nice. Hey, who'd you raise from um, Series A? Uh, level Equity in New York. Level equity out of New York, yeah. Did they do yep. a bit of investing in Australia or you, um, they do. I guess you, they went, do. you went up there and spent some time up there in, in the US to, to go to meet them? We did, but they invest here. They, they've got, yeah, they had InstaCluster, which was really successful. Um, they've got a bunch of other ones that, that, you know, I've only met a few, but they've got a bunch of investments here. Um, and I think they're, I think like most American uh, PE firms, they realize that if you invest in stuff out of Australia, like we build real businesses that are generating revenue and are built, you know, I use the word sustainably, which is not the right word, but they're built really well. We built, yep. we build business as well, and so we don't you know, build them as much boom and bust as like they do in the US, like all or nothing. Yeah. Like most yeah. of the businesses coming out of Australia have more stable fundamentals. Yeah. I would say, and on average, on average, I think so. And so a lot of a lot, all these guys, a lot of them, are, they're all looking down here because like it's a, it's a good mate. Software companies out of Australia are awesome. They are awesome. We build good stuff. So was that level up? No, what did you say? Level equity. Level equity. There you go, everyone. Yeah. Level equity. Keep them in mind. 
Uh, if you need to meet him, maybe he'd short up. Uh, happy to. <laughs> happy to introduce him. Yeah. Um, cool. And then, like, how did you handle things like common stock, preference stacks, um, you know, all that sort of thing? Uh, are you able to share much around that? Oh, I don't know much detail we're allowed to go. Look, I will say that we probably, I was lucky I was a lawyer, A, right? Uh, B, I was lucky we picked the right people because I definitely misread the really complicated American legalese stuff. So we did the deal and it was a, there was preference shares in it back in those days. Everyone did, um, in the first deal and it was complex and I kind of got it. I thought I had it right. I had other lawyers involved to, to make sure. I didn't think they picked it up, but Level called me and said, Hey, the way this is written is not what we agreed. This is actually better for us and worth for you. It should be this. And they fixed it. So I guess my advice to people always is look, that preference stuff is complex when you get to the US. The way they write it, they don't write legal stuff like oh, we do where it's straightforward. It's, com- it's, it's, it's complex, complex in general. I mean, you're a lawyer. Yeah. I'm an accountant. Every time I get one of these documents, I'm like, yeah. Oh my God, there's 20 things in here. Each single, each one of them is, you know, is complicated. And half yeah. of them you've never seen before when you first see it. Yep. So. Yeah, there was no there was no cake around to help manage like navigate any of this stuff back in sixteen, right? So we just did mm-hmm. it by ourselves. Again, like I said, we got like we picked good people, right? And mm-hmm. and that helped us get it right. But it was it's you know preference shares. Then you had to deal with the fact that hey, we we got a target now. Like you have to hit that number to make them an ordinary shareholder. And so that was a it was a definite target on our board. We knew the number we had to get to valuation wise for that preference to disappear. It was disappearing. So. That was a target. We stuck it on the wall. We knew where we had to get to and we drove to get there. And that, the way we looked at it is, okay, we gave them a preference, but it's an, as far as we're concerned, it's an ordinary share deal because we're going to drive hard to get to that number and then it'll be fine. Nice. Yeah, I understand that because a preference stack is normally liquidation preference and that's only really relevant if the company's under a certain value. Uh, yeah. Once it reaches yeah. a certain value, then the preference stack sort of becomes... It's disappears. Yep. It disappears. Becomes ordinary. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So we, nice. we, did, we did that. And the second deal I did was all ordinary. I had no preferences. It's right. Yeah. One of the one of the really impressive things about you, um, you know, and learning from you, um, being able to have a like a common stack uh, and get a couple yeah. of really big rounds done. Um, it's pretty epic. Um, have you got any advice for people, you know, looking to have a like a more common, you know, share structure than than pref stack? You will get less, right? Clearly, right? Perfect stacks are about risk management, right? So if you want to do a clean deal, just expect your valuation won't be. It's high. So when you go read AFR and someone's like, I raised $2 billion and you'll be like, shit, I only raised a million dollars. Well, if you don't have preference, you're going to get left, right? So it's a choice you've got to make, right? And it depends on the trajectory of your business and where you're going. And like I raised it right in the middle of COVID, right? So it just made sense to make it as clean as you could. You know, the world is different now, so you might think about it differently. So it's, it's just understanding what you're going to give up. Like you can drive a slightly higher number if you're going to give someone some protection. And yeah. that's what preferences are. I was also wanting to touch on the multiples, um, you know, and valuation as well. Um, I'm, I'm pitting some of these things you told me in private, so please feel free to tell me to piss yeah. off if I'm overstepping. Oh, but I mean, I think it's really awesome insight, and and you know, I think one of the risks as a founder is you, you just go for the big value, you go for the big round, you sell a huge story, and then you're going to spend the money, and if you fuck it up, then you're going to get just belted and you kill your whole company and. I think something we can all we can all learn from you know still creating a lot of value but a little bit more of a slow and steady approach without so much you know I can, hectic risk. Yeah, I can speak better from two points. One is as you know general partner of Ventron, like there's awesome companies with really good people that we can't do a deal with because their value is so high already, just based on the early angel stuff they've done that I can't manufacture a deal that doesn't hurt 
the founder because they end up with not enough to make it worth them going on the journey, right? And that's counterproductive to what we at Ventron want to do, right? We want to take people on the journey. If you end up looking at they only own one percent, they're not really going on the journey, right? So then, so we've walked away from deals where the valuations are too high. They've really given up so much. We just can't make it work. We're actually going to help them be successful, and the amount of hard work and, and blood, sweat, tears they could put in is going to make sense. So. I would be wary of that sort of stuff. We raised it at a five times and then at a ten times, round numbers, right? We never, I never did any at 15, 20. I never did any, even though I raised in the peak freaking oil, basically, in you know, where people were demanding big numbers. I raised it at basically steady numbers, clean, pretty much, or very or close to clean, and then straight clean both times I did it. Was it a good idea or not? Can't can't tell you whether that was a good idea or not. Probably not. Like some people raised some pretty big numbers with just a little bit extra in there, and you know. We sh- maybe we should have pushed it a bit harder, but yeah, you know, we we were just we wanted to build a steady, strong business that lasts forever. And you know, Symposium exactly. Machine now that's still killing it, doing its thing, and say, so, look, I, I don't exactly. I don't look back and and regret, right? Just I'm look forward. To I'm a big fan, man. Like you know, you hear on the All In Pod and you know those other sort of publications out there. You know, ninety percent of unicorns have you know had 50, 80 percent write downs, and if you raise it the right price and you've got the revenue and you've got the growth and you've got the great business um then you don't have to you know deal with all that that craziness and look you know i guess people might be able to take some huge money off the table in those peaks but um yeah. that's possibly a little bit dodgy as well without trying to get into um telling people what to do or, or overly fucking you know virtue signaling but look i think the, the, the lesson here is let's you know build great sustainable long-term businesses um and and be be smart um, with the terms and the valuation and, and learn from from great people that have done it before. So and cognizant of when you're doing it, I did it right in the middle of COVID. We wanted to make sure that what we paid out to our founding shareholders and stuff was not able to be clawed back, and it was nice and clean. And yeah, you know, I just didn't know what was going to happen with the world at that point in time. So um, yeah, it's just it's I always think raising capital is something that you should build a it's, build a plan, build a really good plan. Know why you're doing it. You know what you're trying to achieve. Go go meet bunches of people. Find the ones you really like. Build a relationship. You should be doing it in early so you know the people you like. The rest will fall into itself. If you know you like the person, they're going to help you be successful. That's that's half your battle. Love it. Hey, um, one thing I love is hearing about his secondaries. I love hearing people getting some money out of startups. Um, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and money goes into these things yep. um, from angels and employees and founders. Um would you be able to talk us through uh, any, you know, exits that were done um, along the way as much yeah, as you yeah. can share? Of course, there's, you know, other people's, you know, details involved. So whatever you can share, um, yeah. it's wonderful for people to hear these success stories. Yeah, look, all general. Like we did secondaries in both Series A, Plus and B, right? So we did secondaries each time. People got to take a drink. I'm a big fan of people getting to take a drink, right? You put a lot in if everyone gets to take a little drink. You know, you're getting that, that you're de-risking. The way I looked at it was de-risking. That's the way we all looked at it. So we did a little bit in, in A and that de-risked everyone. Everyone had was okay. And then we we did a, a, a very, like a, most of what we raised for B, we did a lot of secondary in B, um, both for the private equity company level we'd been in for a while and, and for the other shareholders, you wanted the option. So everyone had an option in B to take a, to, to take a, a good chunk if they wished to. Not everyone did, but, you know, plenty of people did. So, you know, from a... From a full employee perspective, it's post B that we actually brought in our employee share scheme. It's something I wish I did way earlier. It's probably one of it's probably my biggest regret. One of my biggest regrets is we didn't do it earlier. Um, but it is in place now. We've got super talented people running Simpro now. So you know, I know all of our employees now are going to see that that growth of capital and reward post B. 
post my exit. Yeah, so I, I wish Kate was around in 2016. Um, you know, we I think we've massively helped, and you know, not not to yep. be arrogant, I think we've massively helped the Australian ecosystem understand ESOPs and get them in place. And I'm so excited for five years down the track when there's more Simpros coming through, and we have you know 50 or 100 or more you know Aussie tech people you know getting great equity out of these these big B rounds. So something we can all Mate. work towards, and not not to criticise you, you know, like it was almost impossible back then to do one in Australia. No one knew how to do them. No one knew what they were. There was no platforms. So you know. It's, and it's something you got to think about when you raise capital because you've got to build it into your deals. And and like we built a little one in in Series A and and, and we, you know, all executives and the senior people got some, but we didn't have enough to build a broadband one, which is what we did in B, um, which was part of part of what I pitched the deal in was to have that broadband to be able to do that sort of stuff. Um, nice. But again, like we used Cake, obviously, to we brought you guys in to help do it and trying to do it across the globe. Without something like Cake, we probably would have just ended up giving up because it's hard. It is hard. It was hard work. And you guys made Simpro a lot of is, I think Simpro is one of our biggest um, customers now, and so we really appreciate that. And I'm pretty sure from feedback, we've been mega helpful in helping roll it out all around the world. So stoked to be able to help. Um, and po- and it was post my time there, so you know was, <laughs> you didn't have to deal so with it. Nice. It was Thanks, all. Sure. It was all. It was all work. <laughs> it's all work you guys have done with 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 Simpro and, and the new leadership team as they're driving out. So you know, it was something that was. You know, my baby is I wanted a, a broadband solution. Yes, getting in place for all of our people. Um, but it still took us, you know, two years post doing the deal to actually roll it out. And then, you know, without Kate's help, I think we would have been a lot longer to actually get it to that point. I think we used to do monthly town halls and meetings and uh, every and, and it was the way I ran the business was ask whatever you want. I don't if it's non recorded, I'll answer it as bluntly as I can. And if it's recorded, I'll answer it as politically as I wasn't allowed to. And it was a question we were asked every every meeting. Where is our employee share scheme? And every minute I'm like, it's coming. It's like complex to build across multiple. So once we, you know, I met you and got to know you a bit better and then introduced you to the team to, to run that out, that accelerated our ability to roll it out. I'm excited to hear that. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And um, look, congrats again. You know, we need to um, congratulate and champion, you know, our great business leaders in Australia. I think we suck at that. We've got the tall poppy syndrome. And I know you're a humble dude and you don't want to take any of this stuff, but yeah, don't like you it. know, congratulations. Um, it's an amazing result and it's something that can inspire us all. And look, being based on the Gold Coast, we love having a leader like you here or something that inspires me and, and other, you know, other people to build great companies. So good job, mate. Um, as much as you're gonna hate that. And so look, let's talk a little bit look a little bit about Venture On. What's what's coming up for Venture On? What's what's get keeping you excited for the rest of 2023 and, and 2024? Well, yeah, we're going to close our first couple of deals, so that's super exciting. Um, we're going to hopefully close out the rest of our capital raise um, early in the next in the new year. We've extended it because there's just there's so much good software in Australia, and like my model is limited. I can only do between five and seven deals because you know we want to be in these businesses pretty much all the time. So there's only seven pitch, partners. So, pitch, you know. pitch the who, who do you want? Who do you, what sort of startup? What what niche? Um, what stage? Like who should be hitting you up? Look, we, we're looking at people in that sort of one to five million ARR mark, preferably in construction technology or property technology, um, you know, bar the fact that I continually chase cake. Um, you know, but, but really, prop tech and construction tech is where most of our background sits, where we, we mainly are playing, you know, in that one to five million ARR space that are looking to expand, particularly if they want to expand geographically. That's what we're looking to do because we've made all those mistakes and burned a lot of money doing it. 
you know, if we can get in and help someone go on that journey, we think we can be super helpful, um, you know, especially if they want to scale go-to-market. So we've got a big go-to-market engine that we've built out inside Ventron that you know, we can use to help onboard people's sales teams and scale out their go-to-market motion and, and model. So that's, that's where we really want to lean into. I can't think of a better way, you know, to get from sort of seed series A to series B than have an experienced team like this that not only brings capital, but it helps you day to day to build out your go to market function, especially if you're trying to expand from Australia to the US or, or other yeah. countries. That stuff is like legit ridiculous hard. It's like being underwater with the blindfold on and everything's cubing your head. So having someone that can at least steer you in the right direction, I think, you know, it's just absolutely wonderful. Um, I really can't wait to see um, who you get and how it all goes. I'm championing for us to partner up at Cake as well. Um, we've got to get the timing right on that. Um, so yep. Yep. fingers crossed we can at some stage announce that too. Um, but um, look, I, I think, look, wonderful to, to have you on. Uh, excited Pleasure. to see what's happening with Venture on. Um, Sassy Talk, I guess that's on like Apple and Spotify. People should be getting on that. Founders, if you're growing a company and you're watching Netflix and you're not listening to Sassy Talk, you're, <laughs> you're a fucking idiot. Get on there. Oh, excuse my French. But um, right. like, let's, listen, let's listen from these, listen to these legends and listen to how to scale and, and learn from them. Um, it's almost guaranteed to help you grow your company faster. So definitely and, get on that. And reach out. Like find us on LinkedIn. Like, there's platforms now that didn't exist as much when I was doing this, right? Find us on LinkedIn and go, dude, I want five minutes of your time. We'll give, that's the whole purpose of rolling back into something like Ventron and not taking another CEO gig. Like I'm too, I'm, I'm, I haven't had enough of it that I want to fully retire, but I don't want to go do it by myself all over again. That, and that's where Ventron came from. Right? We can still get our hands dirty and be inside businesses driving them every day, but not have to be the people holding the bag and driving it. And so, yeah, like people should reach out. Ricky, myself, you, Jason, like that's that's we're all here to help people drive their business to be successful. I think people get get a bit shy about about doing it sometimes, but you know, the worst you'll ever get is, oh man, I'm, I'm busy for the next two weeks. Can we do it in three? And, yeah, yeah, I very rarely say no to people, and um, yeah. so many people have helped me, and I'm sure you're the same. And we know yep. how hard it is and how lonely it can be. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely hit us up. Uh, I normally finish with a creative, healthy lifestyle question, uh, which, which when I warmed you up on this one, you were like, no, I don't have that. Um, you know, so at Cake, we care about our health, um, health and mental health, and we invest a lot in that with our team. Um, we see it as a core pillar for building great businesses, being creative. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you do something or other, but like you were saying to me, no, nah, not really. <laughs> Oh, look, on the mental health side, I'm a massive supporter. It was it was the the major charitable endeavor we had at Simpro was generally around mental health and mental health for trades and and, and people in the trade industry. Um, I'm hugely supportive of that, and there's some amazing people doing cool stuff in that. So, like I I do I guess if you think mental health, if you if you're running businesses like we run and you're doing this, burnout is a real factor, and it can happen, right? And especially as you had time zones and you're working twenty hours a day, so. The two balances, there's three that I had, right? I, I had I had footy, Australian footy, West Coast Eagles. That's a, it's a, I, no matter where in the world I was, I watched every game, no matter what time in the morning it was, where, and I always have. And I watched, I watched footy even when I was in the US, when I was in the UK. Um, I watched the Lions beat Melbourne last year in the UK in a tiny pod. I remember so, watching them play Sydney Swans in a final at 5 a.m. in the morning at a pub in yep. the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've done all that, and it keeps me sane, right? It's 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 the turn off, brain not working. I watch football. I'm just a like I've met lots of 
famous people and other staff. I remember when West Coast won the 18 grand final and they were walking through the airport and I went, I took my family and I'm standing there as they all walked past me and my wife's like, go on, go say stuff. And I couldn't say a freaking word. I stood there mumbling and holding my kids and like shoving it there. Like, <laughs> you know, it's Sounds my, it, yeah, it's the bit that I can completely do between. I, I love to play video games if I get time. And then the rest of my time is devoted to my, my kids and my family. You know, family has been a huge part of what's kept me sane. It's my mental health checkout between footy and, and family, a bit of video games if I get lucky. That's that's my balance. And as you can tell, like fitness fitness wise, I'm clearly going to the gym like fifteen times a day. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get you on some walks and runs and gym sessions with me. Um, especially when you get back into palming at the end of the year. <laughs> uh, that's gonna happen, man. But look, I, I really appreciate today. Um, you're an absolute legend. Um, you know, done done so well in business, and I think you've got a fantastic future ahead of you. Can't wait to see what you do with Venture on. And um, yeah, look, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. I love love it. I appreciate the invite and the chances to share a bit of wisdom. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening in. That's the end of Startup Equity Matters for today. Catch you soon, Sean. Catch you out there, founders and, and everyone. Good luck with your startups. Awesome. Cheers, Ed.